What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, of course, joining me here on The Boochcast, uh, he is the man who is substituting for uh, Elvis Delinsky while he's on sabbatical. He's been woken. He's yeah. been broken. And now Absolutely. he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Dude, that's... 
is me, the broke soldier, Mr. Zach Scott, daily speaking. Um, not that broke almost, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Bucci, how are you? What oh. do you think about this card tonight, sir? Oh, I'm just fine and dandy. This show was, it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, man. I mean, I got, I got good things to say. I got bad things to say, like always. And, um, and of course. <laughs> Oh, I, With I, you? I, Never. Yes. And of course, this show took place in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, on commentary, we had the legendary Tony Schiavone, the Hall of Favorite Jim Ross, and the racist Excalibur. And we, of course, opened the show with our first official match of the evening. We have Adam Cole Pussy and Red Dragon versus Hangman Adam Page and Jurassic Express. Uh... I thought it was good. It was back and forth. It was physical. Not much psychology really in it. I thought it was good, even though I didn't really like the people who won, Adam Cole and Red Dragon, together. But there was one problem, Betty. You know what I discovered about this match? What did you discover? It was way too fucking long. <laughs> did you feel that at all? Well, of course. A lot. Almost the opening match is always really long on Dynamite. That's the thing about the AEW matches. They go on for a very long time. Too long. Yes. Like, cause a lot of, cause they all have to get their shit in. That's, and that's what kind of, that's what the average AEW wrestler. And I will say though, as much as I give Adam Cole a lot of shit, I gotta say, I loved Adam Cole in this match. And I liked him yeah. for one reason and one reason alone. He, and what's that? He no sold the Mexican arm drag. About fucking time somebody did. Now I mentioned this before, and I think I think Zach, you were in the room when I told Desmond how much I hate this fucking move. For those of you who don't know what this move is, it's basically a move where the guy where one where one wrestler will interlace the hands of the other wrestler, like interlace their fingers, like they're doing a test of strength. And the guy runs up the turnbuckle and does some kind of flip off the rope and does an arm drag. I hate this move because it's so fucking fake. As but Jungle Boy does it to Adam Cole, and as Jungle Boy's running the turnbuckle, Adam Cole lets go and smacks his hand away and doesn't let Jungle Boy complete the move. And I went, Holy shit, someone finally fucking no sold that. I also love another <laughs> point in the match where Luchasaurus is on the apron and it looks like he's about to do a fucking moonsault off the apron, and Bobby Fish trips his leg out from under him. Mm-hmm. Finally, someone cuts off the big man doing cruiserweight shit he shouldn't be fucking doing. So those were the two moments in the match that were highlights for me. The rest of the match match, fuck my life, is all I can say about this. Like, the seriously, the, the triple moonsault off the top rope, I give Red Dragon and Adam Cole credit for trying to sell this. Like, Bobby Fish at least went back down to one knee and then got back up and stuff, but the thing is, the replay showed that, showed uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole pretty much just standing there waiting to catch them. The fact that they weren't shown on camera made the move better. Like, don't show me that on camera, that they're just fucking standing there. Again, that's why I don't like spot monkey moves. It makes the matches look fake. No matter how much damage they're doing to themselves, if it looks blatantly obvious that you're cooperating with each other, the match is fake. That's what they don't understand. Fake doesn't necessarily mean no pain. It just means that you two are, that that the opponents are clearly working together even though y'all motherfuckers are supposed to hate each other. And of course, this goes into another issue that I have 
have. It's a continuing issue that I have with AEW, and the more Elvis and Desmond try to justify this, the more I want to wring their necks. They're my friends, and I love them, but I want to wring their necks. I am sick and tired of the AEW World Heavyweight Champion being in the opening bout. Why is your world champion jerking the curtain every fucking week? Now, for those of you who don't know, curtain jerking is being the opening match every show. You're so, if you're the world champion, you should be the main event or as close to it as possible. Now, obviously, I did not expect this match to be a main event match because the main event was a steel cage, which we'll get to later. So, in this case, it's an exception to the rule. So, I wouldn't have a problem with this match opening the show if the world champion wasn't opening the show every fucking week. It d- it diminishes your title. It makes your world title look meaningless because your world title is supposed to be the most prestigious prize in your company and you want this title to be taken more seriously than any other title in professional wrestling this is not the way to do it everyone is complaining about Adam Cole Adam now Adam Page's run as champion this is one of the rare moments where I can blame bad creative because Adam Page is a great talker he's a great wrestler he's clearly over with the crowd because they're constantly chanting cowboy shit but yet they're treating him like cowboy shit because he is constantly opening the show. Your world champion, if your world champion opens the show, he better be cutting a goddamn promo. Otherwise, if he wrestles, he is either main event or semi-main event, depending on what's going on. But the more I see the world champion opening the show and the TNT champion either main eventing or close to it, the more of a joke your title looks, no matter who's holding it. So that's what pisses me off every week. And then, of course, Adam Cole lowers the boom uh, while Hangman watches because he's being held back by Kyle O'Reilly. He gets a three count on Jungle Boy, thus increasing the rivalry further. But, Zach, do you have anything to add or should we move on? I thought it was a good match, but it was too many spots and the big guy, Luchasaurus, isn't in the course of what you said there, Benny. He does not need to be doing the circus act shit. Exactly. But otherwise not, but otherwise not the ladies and gentlemen, boys, don't do that. I rate this three out of, I rate this two and a half out of four stars. Moving on. Yes. So next we cut to the backstage area where we see Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs having some sharp words to say for Keith Lee before he fights Matt Caster. Keith Lee knows that he knocked Ricky down like a bitch. Okay, I thought this was actually really, really brilliant, but what made me fucking laugh my ass off, because like and Keith Lee said, yeah, you can talk all the crap, but didn't I knock you out like a little bitch? I was like, Ooh! I was like, oh God, I was like, okay, Keith Lee, okay, at least AEW has not buried that wonderful big guy. <laughs> they almost did, but he's recovering. I know, right? I know, right? But I thought that segment that was fucking great. I was like, yeah, I hope to God he wins Friday. I do too. I thought, I thought this was a great promo. I liked how uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, and I will say Ricky Starks is usually very good on the mic. I don't feel like this was his best work, you know? So I don't think, I think he was a little off on this one. But Keith Lee said exactly what he needed to say. He was aggressive in how he spoke. He didn't do the greetings and salutations like he normally does, which some people don't like that. I'm okay with it. But when a guy, if a motherfucker spine busted you in the ring, that's not the time to be greetings and salutations. This is the time for I need to fuck a motherfucker up. So Keith Lee at least knows when to turn that on and when to turn that off. That's what I like about him. And I liked about this segment. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got some tag team action. We got John Moxley and Brian Danielson versus Wheeler Yuta and Chucky e. T. Chuck Taylor. 
What did you call this? A match? Or was this one another one that went too long? Uh, it wasn't insanely long, but for who they were facing, it went too long. Exactly. I mean, all right. When you come to think of it, Angela's supposed to be. Uh, it was good. It was physical. I mean, I don't know. This match was too long. I think they, they should have at least made this a three-minute match not as long as it went. Well, yeah. That's just me. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, Moxley and Danielson, this is them just kicking ass and taking names. So at least they were dominating through most of it. But Wheeler Yuta and Chuck Taylor. Now, I, I like Wheeler Yuta. I'm a fan of his. Chucky e. T is a fucking joke. The best friends in general are a fucking joke. The only two people in the best, there's only two people in the best friends that are worth a damn. Or three, I should say. And that's Wheeler Yuta, Trent Beretta, and Dan Housen. Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy have got to go. Of course, Cassidy's not going anywhere because Tony loves him. That's why Pockets is Tony's little dog. He's not putting his doggy up for adoption. Uh, exactly. And then, uh, but overall, I I thought it was a great tag match. I will say that. Wheeler Yuta uh, did some of his best work. Chucky e. T was a waste of time as always. He's the only thing about the match that sucked was Chucky e. T. Um, but overall, everybody had great moments. John Moss and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, showing they work well together and they get better and better as a team. And then, of course, uh, Moxley does the bulldog choke, taps out Yuta for the win. Um, I'm fine with them getting the win. I just wish they had tapped out Chucky e. T instead of Yuta. I wish they'd done that. I would prefer Chucky e. T <laughs> tapping out. Then after the match, Yuta offers a hand to Regal, who slaps him and grins before Yuta makes his exit. And then it's like Yuta got in his face, and then Regal's basically telling him, you know, said a couple of things to him, called him Sunshine, which is always great, and then told him to get out of the ring before this gets too hectic. And then Yuta gets out of the ring. And here's the issue I have with this. What's that? The commentators kept saying, Yuta got slapped in the face, and he didn't back down. He walked out of the ring. That, it, does that classify as backing down? That's what I believed. Zach, do you have a different opinion? I think that's backing down to me. Uh, I think it's just, yeah, actually, he, yeah, that's just, just his backing down. You got out of the ring and got slapped and you did nothing about it. Yeah, you backed down. Exactly. Now, if he had slapped him and then he kind of like got in his face or, I mean, he did get in his face, but I would have been like, you know, if he just, if they just stared him down and walked away, that would have been fine. But if he's telling him, get out of the ring before you get hurt, I'm not getting out of the ring. I'd have gone down swinging. I think they, because I remember the commentator even said when Regal slapped both of them, he kind of wanted them to hit him back, you know, but obviously they didn't because they had too much respect for him, which made sense, but if you're threatening me, go down swinging. Like, even if they beat his ass, which they're probably going to do, I would have respected Yuta a lot more if he threw if he threw hands with them and got laid out than just walking out. Even though they're making a clear indication there's a strong chance Yuta's probably going to leave the best friends, which would be the smartest thing for him to do. He's actually very talented. Um, but overall, I was like, you can't tell me a man didn't back down when it's very clearly obvious he backed down. He did. No doubt about that. So, you have anything to say about this? Nope. We're just going to cut to the backstage area. We got FTR, who tell Tony Schiavone that Tully Blanchard checked out, and that's why they fired him. So they're pretty much done with Tully Blanchard. Then all of a sudden, the dumb fucks come out, and they basically say FTR mm. will always be the second best tag team. Oh, okay, okay. First of all, the young bucks, the dumb fucks, the dipshit morons, they suck. FTR is a million, gazillion, to trillion better than the young bucks would ever dream of. I did not like this segment. I don't care for it. Vinny, how about you? I hated it too because the Thank young you. bucks are trying to act like... First of all, this is, the, this is a fact about the young bucks. I say it all the time, but it bears repeating. They what? are... Wanna be tough guys. There is nothing badass or intimidating 
about the Young Bucks. Nothing. If you are intimidated by the Young Bucks, you are the biggest pussy walking God's green earth. If you are scared to fight the Young Bucks, you need to take your man card out of your wallet and pass it forward. Tuck your dick between your legs, rub peanut butter all over yourself. You ain't a fucking man. If you are intimidated... By the Cucamonga kids, okay? They are the they they are the biggest joke in wrestling. Everybody and their mother knows that FTR is a better tag team, but because the Young Bucks are EVPs, now granted they don't have as much power anymore, allegedly, but allegedly. they basically put themselves over against FTR, which everyone thought was a fucking joke because everyone knows that FTR <laughs> is hands down the greatest tag team in wrestling today. They are the best tag team. They are old school, they are badass, and they don't have to do circus shit to get over. All they gotta do is go out there and fight. That's why their catchphrase is top guys out, because they are top guys. The fact that the fact that the main roster never treated them like tough like top guys was why they fucking left. They come to AEW where they think they're getting respect. Meanwhile, you rarely see them wrestle on TV, and the one time they sit in the ring with the dumb fucks, instead of putting FTR over, over, like they should, they put themselves over because they had to get the last laugh in their own company. The Young Bucks are a fucking joke. Yeah, I agree with it's you pathetic. on that. There's also a saying that FTR also said. I'm surprised. There's that it kicks, not flips. It's no flips, just fists. That, that's, I, I thought so. That's that, exactly what FTR does. They use the punches. They use the kick. They use the suplexes. Well, meantime, you got the dog fuck to fuck up, Elvis. It's just, and I quote, follow my lead, doing, doing, they're a pinball machine, man. You know what? Click, 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 click. They're trampoline wrestlers. That's all they'll ever be. The outfits, too. Benny, are they gay? No. They are they are married. They both have kids, and they're Christian AF. So, uh, and, uh, okay, who would breed with them? You, uh, th- th- no, there's apparently there's some women in California that are attracted to fuckboys. I guess so. Are they fuckboys? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're they're, yeah. they're 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 little they're little beta they're little beta bitch boys. They are not. There's nothing Ooh. alpha about them, and somehow they've been allowed to reproduce, and I. I find that scary. Um, but hey. <laughs> ooh, 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 Real quick. You remember off that 70s show where Kelso was trying to be a cop, the, the, his buddies break into the police station, they get caught. And Kelso tries to ask, if I the stews, you're not the stews, why would you ask that? Because I'm about to have a kid and his boss goes, you're about to be a father? Who would breed with you? I'm just saying. Well, a, lot of people, right. a lot of people would breed with Kelso. Kelso did get laid a lot. How he looked. But well, then, look who he got married to. Diddy Moore and Billy Kunis. Clap, 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 clap. Anyways, moving on. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, we cut to the backstage area again. We got the acclaimed. Uh, they cut a promo on Keith Lee. They're doing their rap and all their bullshit. And then they're interrupted by Ricky Starks and Hobbs that basically want to form an alliance with them. And the hoes are getting rid of Keith Lee. Because apparently Ricky Starks doesn't like the fact that there's a lot of ex-WWE NXT guys coming in and taking the spotlight. That, of course, brings out Swerve Strickland, who decides to step in the ring and challenge Ricky Starks. I think I believe they're going to fight on Friday to let him know that it's whose house? Swerve's house. 
Damn right. I'm looking forward to that match. So I, I thought that segment was great. Uh, I think I was going to the bathroom on this one. Oops, I think I skipped over this one, guys. I did not see this. I'm so sorry, Vinny. It was just a skit, not a match. Oops. Oh, yeah. It's not a, not a big deal. I, okay, there's okay, one, okay. There's one particular <laughs> interview segment that I missed. We'll get to that when we get there. Uh, but next, okay. out comes the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, 2.0 run down the fans for singing Judas. They introduce Jericho. He goes full heel and calls himself a sports entertainer to a chorus of booze. Uh, Daniel Garcia calls himself a sports entertainer. Jericho puts over 2.0 and notes that Kevin Owens wanted Jericho to help his Montreal friends. He then turns his focus to Jake Hager. Hager says they beat up pro wrestlers. Jericho calls this the year of the sports entertainer. They are the Jericho Appreciation Society and that is entertainment. Um, okay, question. Are they pro wrestlers or sports entertainers? I, I This was confusing to me. Okay, I was like, you're both. You're a pro wrestler and a sports entertainer. What are you trying to say here, Chris? Okay. I, 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 I was confused okay. by this. You were? You explained. You're better at this. Oh, okay, here, here's here's the, the, the ongoing story with this. Is Even though technically the WWE, AEW, Impact, all that, it's professional wrestling. Well, for some reason, guys like Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn, who is the executive uh, producer, executive vice president of television, he's basically their TV producer. Like, Kevin Dunn is the guy who's in the ring truck telling everybody, like, cut the camera over here, shoot over here, go over here. Like, Kevin Dunn is, like, the head of TV production. He's been part of WWE for a long time, and most people in the business fucking hate him because he is one of those people that's embarrassed to be in pro wrestling. Like, WWE was distanced itself from the name pro wrestling and calls itself sports entertainment to try to avoid certain things. Like, Vince, part of the reason Vince McMahon came out in the 80s and admitted that wrestling was a work is back then because before that when you protected the business you didn't tell anybody that it was a work everyone was supposed to believe that what they saw was real and it was very strict back then like here's an example let's say zach you and i worked for a wrestling company in the 70s 80s okay and you and i are rivals you and me fighting for the world title for a company if we were in a feud even if we liked each other in real life if we were in a feud we were never ever under any circumstances allowed to be seen together in public at all and if we were, we had to fight each other. Like, if you and I went to a wrestling show where we beat the shit out of each other, obviously we're kayfabing it, but if we beat the shit out of each other in a match, and then later on that night, we went out to dinner somewhere, and fans from the show saw us sitting there having dinner, you know what would happen to us? What? We would get fired on the spot. We would be fired, and we would never get booked again because we broke the illusion for the fans because once the fans find out that we don't really hate each other, they lose that emotional investment to see either you kick my ass or me kick your ass depending on who they're fans of or who's the baby face and who's the heel so Vince came out later and mentioned that it's sport and called it sports entertainment because he wanted to avoid having to get a license by the athletic commission because when you're a sport like boxing or even MMA fighting or things like that, you have to get licensed by the athletic commission. Like even today in some independent wrestling, like for example, if you run an indie company in like South Carolina, because I don't, I used to do commentary and wrestling for a few sh- and commentary for wrestling in a few in South Carolina, you have to be licensed to work in South Carolina. If you're a, if you're a professional wrestler in South Carolina, you have to be licensed by the athletic commission in order to be a wrestler. If you're a referee, you have to be licensed. If you're a manager, you have to be licensed. 
licensed. If you're a ring announcer, you have to be licensed to do it. Like the one time, there was one time where I was in South Carolina, I wasn't licensed, so I had to do all my ring announcing from the tape, from the broadcast table. I was allowed nowhere near the ring. And the only reason I did that was because when I showed up to the building that day, my broadcast partner got fired. So And he was playing pulling oh. double duty as the ring announcer, so I became the ring announcer. And I, and I did such a damn good job, I kept that job up until I quit. We all know how that went. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Um, that's Absolutely, another story. But, uh, that's a whole other story for a whole other time. We're not getting into it. I'm just saying Absolutely, this to make. I'm just, we're just, I'm just saying that to make a point that that's what he meant by sports entertainment. And re- wrestling fans, the hardcore wrestling fans, hate the term sports entertainment because they believe that it focuses more on the entertainment and less on the wrestling. That's why we hear commentators they don't really mention the wrestling moves as much unless it's a finishing move or a signature. They're usually doing a lot of storytelling and just it, it's frowned upon very much the term sports entertainment wrestling fans hate that that's why like they say things like I'm not a sports entertainer I'm a professional wrestler and crowds would go nuts because that's basically saying fuck you to WWE so when Jericho says I'm a sports entertainer he knew that was going to get heat with the crowd so it was fucking brilliant it was brilliant that was it was the- brilliant well, that's a sports entertainer. It's basically if you work for WWE, you are not a pro wrestler. You are a sports entertainer. That's why when I was on the male soap opera moment, I said that if, to all the the, the marks out there, because during the Royal Rumble, and I'm only going to say this briefly, we're not going to get into the Royal Rumble, but I said if there's a lot of fans who hated the fact that Shane McMahon was in the Rumble, but they were praising Bad Bunny. So I said, if you are a supporter, if you hate Shane McMahon being in the Rumble, but you love Bad Bunny being in the Royal Rumble, you are not a pro wrestling fan you are a sports entertainment fan because that's one of the meanest things you can say to the internet wrestling community is that they are sports entertainment fans it means you don't love or respect pro wrestling in their eyes and Jericho basically said pro wrestlers don't make money in this business sports entertainers do and to an extent he's right because he's basically saying if you care more about the move if you if you you cannot know all the wrestling moves in the world but if you have no charisma if you can't cut a promo if you don't know how to sell tickets that way you're not going to go very far in the business you know that just knowing how to wrestle only gets you so far because at the end of the day anybody can go to a wrestling school and learn how to wrestle and work a match you might not be the second coming of rick flair but you can learn how to work a match it's doable what's not that's why they look for the charisma because that's the thing you can't teach you either have personality or you don't if you got a personality they have a performance center where they can teach you all the wrestling stuff. They got a performance center where they can teach you the moves. But the promos, you either got that skill or you don't. Yeah, that's the most probably, I think, in the professional wrestling world. We'll get back to the uh, card head in a minute. You can wrestle a match. You'd be great there, guys. The greatest rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, yada, 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 yada. But, motherfuckers, if you cannot cut a promo or have decent to okay my skills, what the fuck are you doing in the rest of this in first damn place? Yeah. Mick Foley even said once, if all it took was technical skill, Takamichi Nuku would have been WWE champion. <laughs> that would be a joke from hell. Yeah, because he was a fantastic technical wrestler, but he was not a money draw. He was not a he's not a good promo, and he was not a guy that drew money. You serve two purposes in the wrestling business. You're either the guy who sells the tickets, or you're the guy who helps 
to sell the tickets. And depending on where you are on the card determines what bearing you have on ticket sales. And if your name or picture is not even on the poster, you're lucky if you get a hot dog and a handshake when it's over because you had no bearing on who sold those tickets. Did you have anything you wanted to add to this? Um... I like this promo. I did. I thought it was really good about Tyler Chris Jericho's heel. I think he's better as a heel, really to me, because this is the part where I like he starts talking shit. And I want to get in the ring and smack him. But I thought this was great. Yeah. The sports entertainer, pro wrestling thing. I'm like you there, brother. I'm 50 on it. If they're to entertain, but you're also a pro wrestler, you put your body on line. I'm 50 50 on that. But moving on. Yeah. I will say real quick, though, what I loved about this was how Jericho explained how everyone contributed to the group. Like Jericho said that that he became friends with Daniel Garcia when he contributed money to a GoFundMe campaign to get to get him surgery and fixed up after he got in a bad car wreck. And he talked about how Kevin Owens had told him to give 2.0 a spot on his podcast after they were let go because they were known as Everrise in WWE. They were basically a jobber tag team in NXT, which is the lowest of the low you could possibly fucking be at. Um, and then he mentioned, he reminded us of Jake Hager, how they've been ride or die in, in 2000 10 he saved his life in dubai and so it, it, did he it? yeah i didn't hear that okay we will, we'll talk about that another day i did not know yeah I mean, well, Jericho said that. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm assuming it is, okay. but it's not really a story that was all over WWE. But on that note, mm-hmm. we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the TNT Championship. Scorpio Sky defends the title against Wardlow. Okay, and there's only thing. One, one thing I have to say. You know what that is? What's that? I hate saying, man. That ain't Bucci, A.K. the Bucci crumbed up. Motherfucker, you are right. Once again, look who got involved, man. MJF. I mean, I was like thinking that there's no way. I seriously thought it, I thought Wardrobe was going to win after he hit Scorpio Sky with this couple of times. And there's distraction. They're all back and forth. And all of a sudden, MJF pushes him out of the way. And then you can go from here because I hate you being right. I want you to take part. I hate you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And yet, and yet, I know what I'm talking about. So anyway, uh, this match was was fairly decent. Um, I didn't like the fact that Wardlow was getting distracted by Paige Van Zant and her husband. I felt that was unnecessary for this match. I mean, the only thing it did really was help Scorpio Sky get an advantage attack on them, but they could have did it a much better way. There was a better way to go about this. I, I think so too. Yeah. So I thought that was a little fucked up. Um then um Sky, you know, then of course um at one point um you know Wardlow's kicking ass and then the distraction from Sean Spears made more sense to me. He's coming down the ring with two chairs, Wardlow gets distracted, MJF attacks him, and then Sky rolls him up for the one, two, three. Now, if Scorpio Sky was gonna beat Wardlow, this was the best way to do it, because it gives Scorpio Sky the cheap win and it also mm-hmm. shows that and it also shows that, you know, uh, Wardlow is definitely going to be deserving of a rematch down the road. And then, of course, American Top Team attack Wardlow. MJF pays them off. Uh, he puts on the Dynamite Diamond Ring, cracks Wardlow with it. The crowd boos. Even though at one point it was like Wardlow was going to powerbomb MJF, they whack him. Sean Spears whacks him with the chair, which I liked, but only because that means at some point we are going to see Wardlow powerbomb MJF. But I think what's going to happen is they're going to drag this out to double or nothing, which is the end of May. So I think at double or nothing, 
thing. We are going to see Wardlow versus MJF in some kind of match. And when it ends, Wardlow's going to be victorious. And here's what I think is going to happen. Technically, Wardlow is still under contract to MJF. Wardlow clearly doesn't give a damn. So I think MJF might do something where um, Wardlow has to put his career on the line. This is what I would do. Basically, MJF says, if you beat me, you will get an A. I will release you from your contract. And Tony Khan will give you an AEW contract. You can become part of the roster and we'll go our separate ways. But if I beat you, you're done in AEW. It's either that or he says, you have to work for me forever. But I don't know if that would work, so I would probably just say, your career is on the line. If you lose, you leave AEW for good. You're gone. Because MJF has the power to do so. So he basically tells Wardlow, get the fuck out, you can never come back. And then Wardlow beats MJF, he gets out of that contract, gets an AEW contract, he gets set free finally, and he can, you know, go on about his business. I think that's the best way to go about this. But there's a good story to tell here if they don't fuck it up, but I don't see them being able to fuck it up because MJF knows how to get out of fuck ups. He, that he does. That he does. That he does. I thought this, I knew this was coming. I was like, MJF's going to show up. And guess what? Lo and behold, fuck you, Vinny. But otherwise, the mass, I think everybody who thinks like you and I do when it comes from Frostlight knew this was going to happen because he, remember when MJF didn't show up last week, Terry, everybody? I was like, wait a minute. I was like, he's going to fuck up his opportunity to win a title. And the way you're saying it, I was like, no, my, not like the career thing i would like better if, if uh Warzone just basically did what he did before because think about it you really think the aw world wants to see Warzone leave no we'll see what happens though i'm just putting that out there right there but otherwise not i thought this was actually a decent match moving on yes uh so then of course we cut to jay cargill who wants a viable competitor for that bitch uh, show Real quick, how you feel about this? Don't give a shit. Don't give a fuck. Don't like her. Who gives a fuck? Moving on. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see who faces her right now. Uh, she needs better contenders. I don't necessarily have a problem with Jade Cargill as a TBS champion. It's just that the number of opponents she has are kind of, uh, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. She's going against nobody. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. They're all jobbers or marks. They're they're jobbers. If they're not you, marks. They're jobbers. Okay. They're yeah. jobbers. Jay Carhill, I'm gonna say this once. One, you're not attractive. Two, I think you suck. Three, I you don't give a filler or fuck what you're doing for. You're not the first motherfucker to do it. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. And on that note, I, we and on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Private Party versus the Hardys. Fan fucking tastic. But I, I, this was great. I thought it was really, really good. I mean, the Hardy, the Hardys boys won. Here's the fucking thing. Hardy and a Jeff and Matt come out introducing the Hardys. What the fuck is that garbage? It's the Hardy boys, you motherfuckers. Not the Hardys from the book that Detective Harris would suck. Zach? But otherwise than that, I thought it was great. Okay, Zach, um, can I tell you why your complaint is your goddamn ridiculous? Because WWE owns the name. Yes, that's why they can't be it, called the Hardy Boys. It's, 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 no. Were you thinking the same thing? No, because I know that they legally own the name the Hardy Boys. It's like when the Dudleys left WWE and went to TNA. Oh. They were called Team 3D because they legally owned the name the Dudley Boys. Because it was an ECW trademark that Vince McMahon acquired when he purchased ECW. Because apparently Paul told, let, told the Dudleys they own the trademark, but then it turns out Paul Heyman was not being honest on that one. 
Shocker. So they had to call themselves Team 3D when they went to TNA Wrestling or if they wrestled outside of WWE. So they're going by the Hardys because they can say the Hardys because that's their legal government name. But they can't be called the Hardy Boys. That is a WWE trademarked own name. Just like if, just like when Matt did the broken thing, he can be broken Matt Hardy, but he can't be woken because WWE has woken trademark. That's why he changed the name when he went to WWE, so he could keep broken if you know if he ever decided to go back to the Indies or working or if they ever bring it back here in AEW. So it's strictly a legal thing, but still, it's good. Like the only reason they're able to use the song is because WWE lost the trademark rights to the song. Cause it's a generic song, and AEW was able to pick it up because apparently it's not a it's a song that WWE doesn't cannot legally keep because apparently it came from somebody else who can sell it wherever that person wants to. That's how they were able to keep the theme song legally. So it's all legal shit. So, but either way, either way, match was great. It's the Hardys yes, it doing what they do best. Private Party hung in there with the Hardys, which I thought was good. And even though I've called Private Party a jobber tag team in the past, it felt good to yeah, see them hang in there with the Hardys, especially since they're building a program with them. It is rival's not done yet, but I think personally for the Hardy boys, this is a uh, a good start for a good rival. And I want to say this one more time. Jeffro, Nero, Hardy, if you ask Vinny Boots here, the Boots, I love you to death. You got one more time to fuck up on drugs. After that, I'm wiping my hands clean with you. So then out comes the AFO uh, to try to come out, but then Darby Allen and Sting come out to level the playing field. So it still looks like we're going to have, I got a feeling they're going to turn this into some kind of eight-man fucking brawl at fucking double yeah. or nothing. I see that happening. If they bring uh, back, if knowing them, they'll probably bring back the stadium stampede and make the AFO versus the fucking Hardys. Watch them do that. Watch them pull that bullshit with them. Yeah, once again, you're probably going to be right. So I'm not saying we're going to take a bet. So moving on. Yeah. So next we move on to <laughs> Tony Schiavone with Red Velvet. <laughs> So next we move on to Tony Schiavone with Red Velvet. Uh, she cuts a brief promo to Hyper Match against Layla Hirsch. I thought this was a hell of a promo. I mean, uh, that professor chick, is she's pretty good and she's ruthless and she's mean. I like her. What did you think? I don't know. I didn't really get to hear this promo because at the time, uh, Buff had called me. Uh, he's basically giving me an update on what was going down at the house because as we all know, he's uh, currently living with uh, DDP and a few other people as they're uh, filming the show Change or Die. So we had to go over some updated stuff. We also had to... Uh, deal with some flight issues because uh, we got to get uh, Buff on a plane to Dallas, which we've already booked his flight. Um, we gotta, we're got in the process of trying to book my flight to make sure I can still go, but worst case scenario, I don't go to Dallas over the weekend, which if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. So I'm not like, I'm not upset over it if we can't make it happen, but we're gonna try. But Buff's definitely gonna be there because he has to be there. So over the next couple days, the next two weeks, we're gonna try to figure out how to get me to Texas, and then we'll be uh, ready to go. So that's how we're going to figure that out. But anyway, uh, I didn't hear the promo, so I can't really say much about it. But I, I just hope Red Velvet and Layla Hirsch have a good match. Well, what basically, uh, what Red Velvet said was that basically um, she said, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, and I'm going to end your career. One of those things. Basically, what she said because you missed it. So, I'm not. <clears throat> okay. And on that note, we have the main event of the evening. We got ourselves a steel cage match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Britt Baker defends the title against Thunder Rosa. Except for one part, which I know you're going to bring up, I thought this was great. 
This was bloody. I was like, as soon as I started watching, there better be blood. 30 seconds later, boink, there was blood up front on Britt Baker. She got cut out first, but then again, that was a physical fucking match. Vinny, your thoughts? This was a great cage match. Was very violent. Uh, dueling chance. Uh, Britt comes out in some Scott Hall style gear to kind of pay tribute to the bad guy. Um. A hell of a lot better than what MS Gay did. Um, oh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Thunder Rosa gets some good chants going. Um, these two went back and forth. I love the fact that Rosa, Thunder Rosa did a tribute of her own because uh, you notice in the match at one point she hits a stunner, which makes perfect mm-hmm. sense because uh, it's 316 day. So, <laughs> it made perfect sense for Rosa to hit a stunner in that match. And when it's 316 day like that, you got to give the stunner to the babyface. The babyface should be paying that tribute, not the heel. Especially the heel, in Texas. Yeah. The heel gave uh, the Scott Hall thing, which is great because Scott Hall's big thing is he's the bad guy. So it makes sense for the bad guy to do the Scott Hall uh, tribute. So uh, everything worked out great in that regard. I will say uh, this was my... Here are my complaints with this match. I have two. I did not like... All the steel chairs, too fucking many. I don't like that, okay? Unless you're wrestling a chairs match like they do, like they used to have at the TLC pay-per-views, WWE, that's one thing. But we don't need all these fucking chairs. This is dumb, okay? It, I don't care what move you're doing. It's dumb. I also like the fact this was this was basically a Hell in a Cell match because the cage basically let them go out onto the floor, which no cage match should ever do that. The cage should be attached to the ring and keep you inside the fucking ring unless you're climbing out or going out the door. None of this out to the floor bullshit. It, it's, I hate that as well. So, and then of course they brought in the other fucking thing that was unnecessary. Goddamn thumbtacks. What the fuck is with AEW and thumbtacks? That's exactly does, what I said. It was a steel cage match. Why the fuck do you need thumbtacks? Why does every major rivalry that already has a brutal stipulation have to bring out the thumbtacks? Why? You're putting a hat on a fucking hat is what you're doing here. It's just... <laughs> It's excessive bullshit that doesn't need to be done. It's a steel cage match. That's brutal enough, okay? If you know psychology, say it with me, children. Psychology. Psychology. You don't need to do all this extra stupid bullshit. Then in the end, Rosa hits a thunder driver, gets the one, two, three, and the winner and the new AEW Women's World Champion, Thunder Rosa. Okay, I'm going to say this once again. Benny, this is unique about you. You got a two-in-one. You call two things to Remember what she said last week? If Thunder Rosa doesn't win, blah, 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 blah. I was like thinking, I was like, well, and behold, look what happened. In San Antonio, of all places, her hometown, allegedly. But I was like, I was like, I was like, I was thinking, well, wait a minute. Thunder Rosa does not win this match. Saying what you said in her hometown, AW, you just buried Thunder Rosa. But they didn't. And it ended up being like Tony the Tiger says on Fox Lakes. That was great. Except for the fucking thumbtack and all the damn chairs and stipulation, the steel case should be on the ring, not outside. I did not see that point right there. Good call out. But otherwise than that, it was a good it was a good uh, main event. The card was okay-ish. I don't know. What was better? Just bringing up a total. Was NXT better? Was this better? Uh, that's a tough one to call. If I had to really think about it, I would say I would say AEW had the better show. Yeah, I, agree I think with you. NXT was was it's very boring. It was boring this week. Um, so I'm I'm gonna if I'm being very brutally honest, that is the case. It was very very boring. Um, well, but- you usually are. 
Yeah, they're usually not. Usually NXT is a very good show, but for whatever reason, it was Dollsville this week. Um, yeah, AEW had it had overall some entertaining moments, but some of the matches, a few of the matches, did kind of piss me off. But like I said, aside from the chairs and the thumbtacks and the unnecessary shit, it was a good cage match, and the right person won because it was time for Britt Baker to finally drop the title. She should have dropped it at Revolution, and the only thing that the the only thing that dropping the title on Dynamite TV does is try to show that, hey, you should tune into Dynamite because on any given moment, somebody can lose. And that's what that that's pretty much the message you're sending, that, you know, if a title match is going to happen on Dynamite, there's a good chance the person can lose the title. And that's what motivates people to get emotionally invested in a title match. Because usually on TV, it's rare to see a title get, you know, you know a title change hands. But every now and then they do it to kind of get you to motivate you to tune in. So, And that was the good thing about AEW was they had a lot of segments and a few matches that made you want to tune in next week. Like with the Jericho Appreciation Society, I want to see how, uh, you know, Eddie Kingston and not LAX respond to this. Um, I'm still waiting to hear what Sammy Guevara is going to say about any of this. Because for him not to address this is kind of fucking weird. Uh, but I do like the fact that he said that, you know, Jericho addressed it. He said, Sammy basically quit on me and Santana and Ortiz betrayed him or, you know, and, and it caused Jericho to make the decision that he did. He said the inner circle, you know, never believed in me, appreciated me. And basically Jericho, it was all these people showing appreciation to Chris Jericho. But overall, that was good. So, overall this was a good episode of Dynamite. Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Uh, it was better than NXT for once, but I thought it was pretty good. Man, they didn't need thumbtack chairs and everything else, but I thought it was good. I thought it was good, sir. Yes. Alright there, folks, I think this ends this. Vinny Bucci, you have anything else to say this, sir? Uh, no. This, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up, uh, uh, this week's recap of AEW Dynamite. Zach, as always, I appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me, and uh, I look forward to having you back on next week. I'll be here. All right. So uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, Breaker, Breaker, Google Podcast, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Radio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got plenty of YouTube content up there from Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, archived videos of our watch parties, our D&D one-shot, funny skits, holiday videos, including our St. Patrick's Day video. Make sure you guys check that out as well, because by the time you guys listen to this, St. Patrick's Day will be upon us. So make sure you guys check that video out. We'll be sending out little reminders and stuff and uh, posting it all over social media, but you can go to the YouTube channel and check it out right now to see the funny leprechaun dancing that we do in the St. Patrick's Day video. Uh, also, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you know when new content will be available. We got new episodes of Dark Side of the Ring coming soon. We've got some watch parties coming up there very soon and uh, plenty of other content will be coming your way. Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party
party will be guaranteed Sunday, April 3rd for night two of WrestleMania 38. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, night one was going to be something that I was going to leave up to the team because I was going to be in Dallas, Texas. You know, we got on Thursday, we're doing a big event with uh, Matt Cardona. Friday, we are performing at Hyenas Comedy Club for Rebuilding Buff. And then Saturday, we are going to be at WrestleCon. Now, here's the deal. As I mentioned earlier with the, you know, getting Buff's ticket and all that together. Buff's already booked for his flight. We're trying to figure out my flight. If for whatever reason, I am not able to book a flight and I cannot go to Dallas for WrestleMania weekend, I will be hosting a night one watch party if that is the case. I will get together. I will do a night one watch party if I am not able to go to Dallas. Now, if I am able to go to Dallas, then the team will decide whether or not there will be a night one of WrestleMania 38 because while I'm still trying to figure out what my personal flight will be from Atlanta to Dallas, I do know that if I go, Buff and I will be on the same flight coming home, which means our plane will not land until about 8 o'clock at night. So I'm definitely going to be missing WrestleMania 38 because by the time it starts, I'll be I'll be in the air on a plane. I'll be landing. I'll be going to baggage claim, and I'll be either getting in a car with Buff, whoever picks us up, or I might hop on the MARTA train and have my brother or somebody meet me at a MARTA station if I have to. It depends on what's going to happen once the plane lands. We'll figure all that out. But So, night two is guaranteed. Night one is up in the air. It'll either be hosted by the team or it'll be hosted by me, depending on whether or not I end up in Dallas, Texas. So, be on the lookout for that information. It'll be on social media. Also, we have our big uh, D&D show coming later this year. So, be on the lookout for that. We're trying to get all of our ducks in the row for that one. Also, uh, we have some gaming coming to the Twitch channel. Uh, Elvis has his Oculus he's setting up to get that ready to go. And of course, I have purchased WWE 2K22. Have not had a chance to play it yet, but I have it in my possession. And when the time, when once we get everything situated, Elvis and I will be doing our Boochcast booking battle. That's right. Basically, on the My GM mode, Elvis will create a show and a roster. I will create a show and a roster. We will showcase it on the Twitch channel. And basically, we'll be trying to see, based on ratings and responses from the fans and all that, who can book the better show. We'll find out once and for all, who is the better booker man? Benny Bucci or Elvis Delinsky? Can I say something? Go ahead. Okay, uh, Vinny, you're in the business. If you lose to Elvis, you know what's going to happen? What? You're never going to hear the end from me. I'm sure I won't. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, make sure you guys uh, support the Boochcast. Go to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at with prizes coming soon. The first level you can donate at is for 99 cents per month. This is the level we have for people who want to support the show but don't have a lot of money to spend because you're either paying bills or you got mouths to feed or COVID still fucked you up in some way. The last thing we would ever ask our fans to do is sacrifice a payment to help support this show. We are not going to make you guys break the bank or feel obligated to spend what little money you have on a podcast. But if you are at least able to listen to the show, share the link, spread the word, and tell your family and friends, 
you are still doing us a great service. But if you still want to put a little skin in the game, despite your your uh, financial obligations, you can choose the 99 cents per month level because it's 99 cents. You're not going to miss it. It's not a big deal to you guys, but it's a big deal to us because every little bit helps us keep this show going. Now, the second level you can donate at if you want to donate if you want to donate a little bit more, no pressure, is uh, $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got a third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold to the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So do that $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes right back into this show. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe that they deserve to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is is how you make that happen. And if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, oh, we use the rest of the money to feed this gentleman right here, Zachary Scott, ramen noodles, and try to get him laid. Dear God, we're trying. We're really trying, folks. This is a lot of effort we're putting in here, but this is easier said than done. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then... Pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.